Kieran, great to have you here. No, thanks for inviting me, and I, I I checked out the show's format. It is very interesting, and and thanks for profiling a lot of companies and great people. Yeah, and there's some great. I mean, Southeast Asia is a great place right now, isn't it, for startups? There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of you know like energy about the startup scene. Exactly, and and it has evolved from. So I have been observing this extremely closely for the last five or six years. Back in 2012, when I started Food Panda. It yeah. was completely a different scenario in terms of the entire ecosystem, right from the investment uh, capital uh, being much lesser than it is today. There's a lot of new funds and funds are raising follow-on rounds now. Yeah. So there's a lot more capital in the region. Uh, people are coming up with new ideas all the time, and and you have uh, you have big companies like Lazada, Grab, uh, and many others who have who have established in this time frame. And and the biggest change to me has been that. Uh, the uh, the people who were working in startups before, it was supposed to be like a risky, and if you are really yeah. into something adventurous, you 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 kind of be a, a rebel to actually work in a startup, and you, so so it was very difficult to find talent mm. uh, to work in a startup. People used to be, especially in places like Singapore, a very traditional kind of a job profile that everyone was seeking right, after right. graduating. That has changed. It has completely turned on its head. And today, people are very, very open to working with startups. Uh, they are trying to, um, v- because you've seen so many success stories. The biggest right. success story back in the day in 2010-11 was Groupon, mm. uh, which was which was uh, which was a big story at that point of time. But since then, if you look at the kind of startups which have come up here now, uh, the kind of exits which are coming up. It is the ecosystem has evolved uh, beyond imagination in these last yeah, six years. It's good times, and and to what extent does Rocket Internet have a legacy that they've sort of offered this ecosystem as well? Because they came in quite early, didn't they? And they were the real fire starter in the Southeast Asian ecosystem. And obviously, you were at the helm there here in Southeast Asia. What did they do for this ecosystem? Yeah, so I, I think Rocket has played a huge role in in whatever changes and whatever evolution we've seen in the last uh, last five six years. Uh, 2011 and 12 is when they really decided to come into Southeast mm. Asia, uh, with with Lazara just starting off at that point of time, Zalora, Food Panda, uh, and a bunch of other startups, uh, which have now uh, some of them are unicorns, and so mm. uh, and 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 to put the capital at that point of time and 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 the amount of uh, con- conviction into the uh, into the region at that point of time. It has really fueled the kind of uh, changes we are seeing now, and as people this uh, people learn that you can build companies which are successful here, mm. uh, you can attract top talent in in companies here, and 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 then the entire virtuous uh, cycle of 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 uh, capital success, more people joining, yeah. better people joining, more success. So I think that that we have seen evolve over time. The other big uh, the big aspect of Rocket's involvement in Southeast Asia. Uh, in the last six years, has been the Rocket alumni, and so we have uh, so many, uh, so many founders who mm. were working with Rocket companies, or whether it's Lazada, Zalora, Food Panda, or, or many others, uh, have gone to start their own companies. Like for example, uh, Gojek founder was ex Zalora, yes. uh, and so you have this is the other part of the uh, Rocket story where they have they have seeded good people who have gone on to start big companies. Mm. And you're part of that story as well, obviously. You were with the Asia Pacific Internet Group, and then Food Panda. Oh, the other way around. It's Food Panda first, right? So, do you, do you think that? I mean, Food Panda is an interesting case study as well. We'll talk about Zen Rooms in a minute, but that Food Panda. What, what do you think you learned from that? Because that was kind of pioneering in its time, wasn't it? 
maybe it was even ahead of its time, the fact that you were going in there and you were doing something quite, you know, a difficult business model in a market which maybe hadn't caught up yet. So Food Panda was, was so the moment I heard it, it just clicked. Yeah. It is such a simple concept that you order food online uh, instead of on the phone, because on the phone you, you call up, uh, you have to explain, I want this item, this item, this is available, this is not available. Yeah. What is the price? The menu is not clearly visible. You have to communicate your address. I think that's the that's the most painful part. Yeah. And then it'll give your phone number and and and, uh, and and some people are just fed up of this kind of uh, experience and 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 it made complete sense to take the entire experience online and and uh, and that was a premise on which uh, Food Panda was started saying if something like this happens in the UK where Just Eat was doing very well mm. and in the US where Seamless was doing so well. Why can't we do the same in Southeast Asia? Because everyone eats food uh, and everyone wants convenience of delivery at their home. And people are already ordering on the phone. And, and it's just a channel shift from phone to uh, to internet. Mm. And once once people discover that it's so much easier, uh, then then it is very uh, then 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 they will start using it continuously. And so the retentions mm. are always good in Food Panda. And so that that's how we started. We we uh, when we started, there was huge amount of work which needed to be done in educating the the people of there's something called internet ordering of food mm. uh, which people are not used to at that point of time and so uh, so we did a lot of efforts in educating the the population on on online delivery uh, but if you see where we have come in the last uh, last four or five years food panda started in 2012 uh, since then uh, I it has it has surpassed all my wildest imaginations. I had I had one point of time said that hey, if I reach five thousand orders a day in Singapore, right. uh, that would be like the market limiter. So let's let's aim for five thousand orders a day. But it has surpassed all expectations. Mm-hmm. It's multiple times of that now, uh, as people have adopted it. Uh, a lot of new restaurants are joining into the delivery mm-hmm. uh, aspect of the business, and so that 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 was it was starting at a time when. When there was no competition as well, and so there was there was the we were doing thirty or forty orders a day, uh, and still number one in in mm-hmm. for example Singapore, uh, and uh, and from there it has come up a long way. So, so it's it's an incredible uh, story of of uh, of a company which which started off in a four four or five countries in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. and then today is uh, is in more than thirty countries globally. Yeah. It's a great story. I'm sure there are lessons learned. We'll go back to that talking about launching startups in Southeast Asia generally. Let's talk about Zen Rooms, the genesis of that. So, I mean, you describe yourself as building Southeast Asia's number one budget hotel company, right? That's what it says on your pitch deck. So standing by that, is there a space for budget hospitality, building brands in that case? Because, you know, if you were to look in other sectors where you have budget brands, they tend to be you know, the brands that are operating on the high volume, low margins, they're not necessarily focused too much on the brand space of things. In the hotel, in hospitality, in travel, maybe there's something there. What have you identified that they have, the others haven't seen with Zen Rooms? That's a very good question, is is why do you need brand if it's going to be budget? Yeah, so I, I think, I think that, but, but you have seen budget brands build all the time. Yeah, uh, you have AirAsia, you have McDonald's, and you have all sorts of brands in every single sector, which is budget and a brand. the 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 change here is that it's not a commodity, and mm. so it is very standardized. It is an experience where you can trust the brand and that you will get the right experience. The problem today in Southeast Asia 
is that actually if you compare Southeast Asia to to either China or the US or or even uh, any kind of a more developed market mm. in terms of hospitality, uh, they are seventy percent of branded in the budget segment. Mm. Whereas Southeast Asia is less than ten percent. So 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 as markets are evolving, they are moving more and more to branded. Uh, which is what we saw in China. China was around ten, fifteen percent around fifteen years back, and then a few companies together adding a million rooms into the market in branded segment mm-hmm. uh, shifted the entire market to seventy percent branded. The reason for this is consumers are looking for trust and reliability right. of experience, and they don't want to spend hours reviewing, uh, reading reviews of of uh, of different hotels which are in this segment but not branded. Uh, and it is very difficult to rely on reviews and so what we do is we take that entire uh, consideration part out provide a very standardized experience at a price mm-hmm. which is unbeatable and then that resonates with the consumer base and and they they want to spend more also on activities versus accommodation right so the misconception being that because they want budget means they want they don't care about experience they don't care about how they're treated which is often i think of an old school attitude isn't it but you're saying that people want budget but at the same time they want trusted brands and they're willing to spend money but not necessarily on certain things they want peace of mind yeah i think that's the thing we offer is when you make a booking with us you are you are at ease you don't have to think of what will happen when I show up at the hotel? Like, for yeah. example, the reason you mentioned earlier on why I started Zen Rooms, uh, I saw a cockroach in a, in a hotel which otherwise had very good reviews. Uh, and that kind of gave me an idea of why we should... We should right. uh, I had the experience myself having traveled across Southeast Asia and Food Panda uh, and staying in this kind of uh, two or three star accommodation. Uh, and and, and that's, the, that's the thing we take away from the customer is you don't need to think... Uh, what will happen when I show up at the hotel? You right. will be taken care of. Yeah, interesting. The cockroach in the hotel room. It, was that in a, a hotel that had high ratings on a on a rating website or on a trip type website? Yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's an interesting story. So maybe I'll, I'll kind of elaborate a little bit on Please. it. Please. Uh, so this. So I, I, before Food Panda, I was a consultant at McKinsey, mm. uh, having traveled all across Southeast Asia stayed in the nicest five-star hotels uh, and working working my ass off. So uh, pardon my language. So right. we can do that here. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and, and so I, I had the five-star experience, but I realized I was not using the gym as much. I was not using the spa. No. I was not using the pool. I wanted a place where there was a comfortable night's sleep. Uh, and, and so uh, when I moved to Food Panda, we didn't have the same budgets, of course, for accommodation. And so, so we, I used to say, and I used to travel across Southeast Asia working closely with our countries uh, and country managers in each of the countries. And, and I used to stay a lot in, in two or three-star accommodation in Indonesia or Philippines mm. or Thailand, Malaysia. Uh, and, uh, and, and the way in which I used to book was, uh, was, through, uh, was through Agoda or Booking.com, Expedia, this kind of websites, OTAs. Mm. Uh, and relying a lot on customer reviews on TripAdvisor or or these kind of websites, uh, and so that's when I picked one of the hotels in Indonesia when I was traveling, uh, and and the reviews were all good, uh, but when I was staying over there, uh, uh, the the place was was good, but then it had a bit of an, a hygiene issue, and and so I was like, I didn't see enough of this in the reviews. It's not so trustworthy, uh, and and so that gave me an idea saying, hey, we we have brands being built on an asset light fashion. Why is there no franchise in this mm, budget segment? Mm. In Southeast Asia, if I if I challenge you to name one franchise on the budget segment, which is present across the region in a in a decent quantity, 
uh, you will struggle because there's mm. no one who has done this across the region and so yeah. that gave me an idea why I should start zenrooms yeah would you say that what we have already as an industry you know for example with the ratings and we have agoda and we have all these other sort of aggregation websites is that you know when you you know the the, the response would be from for example a hotel chain would be look you know it's impossible to be perfect all the time you just kind of caught us on a bad day when you found the cockroach maybe the rate the maid didn't clean at the right time or she was sick or whatever do you think it's or do you think it's more of a systemic thing where these hotels are just not geared right and they've just kind of gaming the the, the reviews a little bit no i don't think it is systemic i think it is the question of there are there are thousands of hotels in this segment some are very good mm and they have uh, they have a very good experience some are, some are a bit up and down sometimes it's good sometimes it's not good the reviews sometimes reflect that and sometimes don't the the difference here is processes and standardization right uh, and and uh, and that is very clear when we when we evaluate hotels that we work with uh, we uh, we do a very thorough audit of every aspect of their mm. processes and and operations and and we will not work with hotels which don't have the processes in place right and don't have the infrastructure in place. Uh, and so I think it is it is there are there are a lot of options some are good and some are not good. It is just that no one you have to rely on a thousand independent viewpoints. Uh some of it will be and everyone has a different experience but mm. we have a very set standard. So once yeah, yeah. once we set that standard you can expect some sort of a consistent uh, quality. You can never be 100% and you will always have some issues in 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 uh, and hospitality is because every person has their own expectations mm. you'll never be 100% but by standardizing every aspect of the operations and infrastructure you can get to close to uh, yeah. minimum complaints you have a base to work from Th- this is actually interesting because on your um pitch deck if we can look at slide 3 we can get that up we can just scroll through that this is this is what surprised me scrolling up to slide 3 you've put some quite thoughtful data into your pitch deck by the way I just want to pluck this out because you're talking about standardization and efficiency and customer dissatisfaction and you said here that Southeast Asia if you look at the chart on the right amongst the lowest globally were you surprised by that uh, I was I, I was not surprised as such but but it was something which reinforced the belief that we had that mm. that this kind of a product is is needed in this market mm. if you stake Southeast Asia versus any other developed or even emerging market uh, outside of you but if you take most of them uh, people are not satisfied by their stays and that reflects in the reviews despite uh, despite southeast asians being normally very generous in their reviews mm. uh, in accommodation you see actually only 17% of the of the uh, budget travelers are satisfied by their accommodation which is they are rating more than 8 right uh versus this is the number is twice in most of the other regions mm. and so so that c- kind of convince so when we did our research when we were launching uh this convinced us that there is a need in the market for this mm. uh, there is enough supply of good hotels that we can work with and and there is enough of processes and technology and standardization that we can bring to to offer the experience that we want to offer to the customers right you've got a lot of interesting input factors going on here haven't you you've got the fact i mean if we look at slide 5 from your pitch deck which is kind of interesting because you show how much of a greenfield territory this is in southeast asia scrolling down to slide 5 that the one above this one barrett that one there you've got the fact that southeast asia lacks any kind of budget hotel brand of of 
substance. I mean, where you have in the USA, two thirds, China, 70%. And then you also have the explosion in travel and hospitality across the region. And on top of that, I suppose we're going to talk to it, talk about in a bit, the, the, the huge growth in the middle classes in Asia, which is another factor. So you've got all these kind of input factors going on. Why hasn't this happened already? Why haven't there been a Zen rooms up until this point? Why, why is it that you've kind of been the right place at the right time? So I, I think the 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 uh, so first of all the market is there and so whatever whatever drivers that you've mentioned make this a very attractive market for budget accommodation we peg it at at between 14 to 20 billion dollars in the next 5 years mm. uh, and uh, and this is this is a total accommodation market only 10% of which is branded mm. and as you pointed out it can go all the way to uh, to 60 to 70% as in other markets and so we will see this shift happen in the next 10 years is my is my estimate because it's faster to build brands now than it was 15 years back in china uh, and you will see uh, you will see uh, players like us traditional hotels everyone contributing to making it more branded uh, why this has not happened so far is that the approach that uh, hospitality players have taken in in addressing the budget segment is through uh, traditional methods like uh, either you are building a hotel or you are uh, you are uh, acquiring a hotel and so it takes a much much longer sales cycle as well as a construction cycle uh, to set up a hotel and and so if you take any of the traditional budget hotel chains in southeast asia and mm. and so so they are they're not present in all all the locations and all the cities, uh, and they end up with a price which is still 20-30% higher than what the customer is willing to pay. And so because we work on an asset-light fashion uh, with, uh, with hotels which are already doing well but not have maybe the right branding or the right marketing or the right revenue management uh, or the right operations, uh, and we support them on these kind of activities, uh, we are able to go much faster. And and because it's a franchise kind of a model, it's it's an asset light model. It is going much faster, mm. and we are able to adapt much easier to localization of uh, of the product in different countries. Uh, versus for traditional method, it's much much slower. And so 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 while they will uh, they will be looking at adding five or ten hotels in a year, uh, that that's the number which is slowly progressing to that point. But mm. we we move much faster because of the asset light model. Okay, and you're almost four years old now, is that right? Or three years old? Three so years three old, years so we, we are still, still a toddler in <laughs> so terms of age. Right, so you started about this time three years ago in 2015. You, uh, When you started the team, how big was it? So so it was me and my co-founder, Nathan. Nathan, right. uh, he, he has hospitality background. He was an entrepreneur even before we uh, started Zen Rooms as well. Uh, and and he has uh, sales and operations ex- right. expertise, and so it was just the two of us. We we uh, we uh, we decided to launch this business together. We we went down to Indonesia. Uh, we used to uh, we created a nice looking pitch deck uh, to hotels with with not much else. So we Is that all to, you had when you? That's what we had. Yeah, uh, that's what we had, and a lot of dreams in our eyes, and right. so. So we approached a lot of uh, hotels in the day, signed up a few of them, uh, and, and and the most risk-taking entrepreneurs, uh, the most entrepreneurial hotel owners want to work with someone right, like yeah, us. So, yeah. so you, you see the early adopters and, and try to work with them. Uh, in the meanwhile, in the evening, we used to conduct interviews to hire people uh, and build a team around us. Yeah. 
uh and and we had backers uh, again i think uh, apex ig was backing because i had a good relationship with mm. them so we had them as backers uh of the business and so so we we set out to build a team uh signed the first uh, 50 hotels in indonesia launched the business uh and and saw good traction we we also worked very closely with uh, with the distribution channels mm. so we set that up uh and and that's how we started with two people on the ground uh, for more than a month and a half we were it was just Nathan me and then whoever was able to join quickly right, right. don't have a notice period then yeah, can yeah. join quickly otherwise it takes Flexible. a month to join exactly so back then did you have an office or you just working out of a suitcase in a mobile office in people's hotels oh, no so first we were working out of a hotel so so yeah. the way in which we were we used to stay in a hotel for two or three days and then move to another hotel right. move to another hotel that would be the hotel you were selling and to, we were right? pitching to them right. so okay. so it was it was a good uh, yeah. it was a good way we used to get free breakfast yeah. and pitch to the owner yeah. over breakfast uh, and and most of them were because they they saw that you were committed to to their yeah. business uh, they also were very open to signing so we worked out of hotels for many <laughs> many days uh, and and we worked like we have good relationships with zalora and food panda and the other uh, rocket ventures So, so we used to work out of their offices for some time. Right. Till yeah. we, till we then found a co-working space. How were those early days when it was just the two of you? I mean, compared to working for a large team like at Food Panda or you know in McKinsey, where you know huge teams and everything was done for you. I mean, if something broke, the IT guy would run off and replace your laptop or something. How was it sort of being right. back at two of you and working? So, out so that's what I miss the most about uh, about McKinsey is the kind of support system it has. Right. uh you you as long as you just focus on the on the one work you're supposed to do which is solve the problem for the client and then everything around you, around it is taken care of whether it's the you don't even need to build slides people have this misconception yeah. that mckinsey is always building slides uh but you have a team dedicated team in india which is churning slides out overnight for you and so so the support system in mckinsey is awesome which is something that that immediately i saw it go off in food panda and we started off food panda we were we were a very small team then mm. as well uh and 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 so then then but then it's a question of the attitude that you have in terms of uh it is fun actually to do everything yourself and mm. so 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 that's that's the fun part of starting a, a venture which is young and new uh you are the product manager you are the IT guy you are mm. the you are the uh, admin who's book, booking travel uh, you are the office manager and you are the sales guy and you are the operations guy and yeah. you are you everything. are doing everything and so exactly. that's you are the brand as well right that's what i love and you are the brand and yeah. you are embodying the brand uh, and so that's what i love about yeah. about starting new businesses uh, and and uh, and the experience with food panda has helped me in in making fewer mistakes and then mm-hmm. what did you bring from that what did you learn what did you sort of accelerate <coughs> up the curve with knowing what the mistakes that you've made with food panda So I think I think in Food Panda because it was the first time I was setting up a business across so many countries mm. what kind of a process should you have should you have marketing what kind of communication should the countries do with the central teams mm. uh, how should you where should you recruit what kind of profiles work uh, what we've seen is that it is always young sometimes you've seen young graduates which are just out of college or, or one or two years experience outperforming experienced sales people uh with hospitality background or with, yeah. with restaurant background and so it's the hunger and drive and the personality of the of the team which is more important mm. than the experience and and so so that that's where we where we uh, where we have made less mistakes in hiring uh 
Hmm. Uh, Do you think you've developed a better sense for hiring in that sense? Like you, you can identify that hunger because I recruit as well. And I always find the challenges, the challenge being is that they polish up well for an interview. They say the right things, but have you sort of honed in a bit better on what it is you're looking for now? Yeah. So I, I like, for example, a sales interview, I always conduct a case study. And so I get the, I get the uh, candidate to pitch to me why I should right. join Zen Rooms if I were a hotel and or, or why I should join Food Panda if I were a restaurant. Uh, and, and you can see the nuance and you can see the thinking on the feed. You can see the passion. Mm. You can see the hunger in closing a deal. And, and so this kind of uh, this kind of things you discover with trial and error, talking mm. to other people, uh, seeing the best practices. And and so that helped me a lot. And and uh, in Food Panda, I took a bit of time also understanding what is marketing, what yeah. is what is a cohort, uh, what is CAC, and so, so all of these things was a good training ground in Food Panda. And then it it means that much less uh, learning curve in Zen rooms. Yeah, fascinating. Are you recruiting at the moment? Are you still looking for those hungry? Even they could even be early graduates, as you say, people who might not have twenty years of sales experience. No, and 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 we love we love young graduates because they are always open to new ideas mm. and don't have set ways. In some of the, like some mm. of the extremely experienced uh, people, if they work in a startup, sometimes they find it difficult to leave what they have learned or unlearn what they have learned. Yeah, uh, which is which is much less of a problem with uh, with young graduates. You mean the old guys have it difficult because they're they're, they're they're victims of their own success in a way, isn't it? This yeah, is well, how it's all worked and, out for me. And so you have good uh, candidates in, yeah. in in all kinds of uh, backgrounds, but but we have generally seen that younger graduates uh, and with two or three or four years experience having the sales drive, right? Uh, you are able to work very well with them. As, also, as the team is much young. Yeah. What about the culture? I mean, I'm curious about Zen Rooms and your culture because I think one of the, the, the key factors people, talented people, choose startups to work for is based on obviously you, the fact that you're the founder and your story, which is a big part of why I'd want to work for you because I believe in you and I, I kind of get it. I can't maybe articulate why, but I just kind of feel this guy is the right guy that I should be mentored by. There's a big part of that, but also the culture that you have as an organization. And I believe that... You know, there's only so far you can go with like having all the ball pits and the free beer and stuff, all those sort of like gimmicks. But the real culture of meaningful work that you provide them, what's it like in Zen Rooms? What's your company like as a culture? I think the culture that we have, and that's why uh, we have so many people who have worked with us uh, for so long, is that we are giving extreme responsibility and and, and uh, full support mm. uh, with the right mentoring and, and depending on how much you are able to uh, take the responsibility. So, for example, we have we have had even interns, very young interns who have come in 22, 23-year-olds uh, who have come in, set up a full supply chain system for us. Uh, mm. and and they As an intern? As an intern, because we let people, we, we, we bring in people, we give them a lot of responsibility and yeah. then and then help them as needed, but then give them a lot of independence. Uh, and 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 sometimes they are they are uh, they struggle a little bit. They will take a bit of time to to pick up you. Mm. You mentor them and help them to get through those days. Uh, but sometimes they're able to pick up things very quickly. Then we add more responsibility. Mm. Then they're able to deliver on that. We add more responsibility. Uh, and and so we have, that's the thing which which people have told me the feedback that I've gotten from from uh, from anyone who has worked with us or. Or someone who say leaving us is what did you enjoy the most in working with us? I think this is the f- number one thing that I hear all the time. Yeah, is the kind of responsibility I was given, 
it was initially a bit scary uh, but i was i had enough people supporting me mm. and then i i was shocked at what i was able to deliver mm. uh, and i have done two other uh, jobs before and this is completely different level or i've done another internship before and and it was so boring compared to this so i think that's one and this is also percolating in the way in which we manage uh, budgets and kpis for example we have country managers who mm. are leading each of our countries uh, and we are present in five countries in southeast asia uh, and the country managers have very clear set kpis and they have a budget they take decisions independently uh, we have guidance in terms of uh, of uh, policies and and uh supporting documents and central functions but they're doing their uh, their own decision making mm-hmm. at the country level and and uh, and that's how we see a uh, very good responsibility with responsibility then you get uh, then you get the chance to deliver mm. and take full uh, ownership as well as uh responsibility for it yeah i think that's what they want at the end of the day isn't it if you were to put your finger on what is the one thing that people want and why they work for a startup it's that everything else is really a bonus at the end of the day it all kind of helps there's certain hygiene factors isn't there in having a job like the salary and so on but at the end of the day that responsibility that you give them and the ability to put a dent in the universe is what they look for and all the other stuff like having a great office is just a bonus no exactly and so so you have some of your audience is is people who are thinking should i join a startup should mm. i not I think it comes very it comes there's a very different personality to someone who is who is bit of a rebel adventurous wants to try something new uh and is willing to take a bit of a risk uh but then then the th- that's the kind of profile and some people are more comfortable working not in a startup but in in like mm. a larger corporation which is fine but there's a very specific personality which is which is always doing well and hustling in a startup uh that's the one where you will know internally that this is what i want to do mm. uh and and it gives you the right platform to to build your skills showcase your ability at a very young age mm. uh and and it can be like a it may look like a career is a bit risky and maybe the pay is not as good uh startups cannot afford huge salaries that say a bank can uh but if you look at the trajectory of some of the people that yeah. i have worked with uh starting off with uh, with a call center ending up as a country manager uh, now now being head of strategy for a large unicorn uh within 4 or 5 years from food panda days to today uh, and that's the kind of career trajectory you can have uh for someone who is like 27 28 year old to be head of strategy of a unicorn yeah uh that's what you can achieve but then then that's the personality which which is very hungry and wants to get it right and they they probably don't consider it themselves but they are investing in themselves aren't they by going into a startup ultimately this is the ultimate education invest they're forfeiting a little bit now the comfort of working for a big consultancy or in a bank like you mentioned and having everything done for them or having the benefits package and then investing in the experience that they're going to get and as you say they might end up becoming a country manager in what maybe half a quarter or you know and they may even do it in the kind of timelines you'd never get in a whole career if you went and worked for the large corporation so i think ultimately to the point about those people watching and think should i join a startup or should i reach out to kieran for example is that you you know that these are the people who are investing in themselves and they understand about learning doesn't stop when you finish college right no so i think you've summarized it perfectly it is investing in yourself it is believing in yourself and 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 positioning yourself learning the right skill sets and doing different things discovering what you like mm. uh, i think startup gives you the opportunity to do that 
you can be siloed in a very narrow role in a in a larger corporation here you get to work on operations then you get to work on analytics then you get to work on sales you can try out different things excellent you're raising at the moment are you going through a round what's the so, situation so, <clears throat> so uh, we just finished a funding round uh, about a month back we announced right. a 15 million dollar raise for zen rooms to expand mm-hmm. uh, beyond where we are in southeast asia uh, and so immediately we are not looking for an, for additional funding but in a year's time we are planning right. to raise even more capital as we as we offer more and more services we are doing much more deeper integration with our hotel partners in some cases now we are even we have even our own staff operating the hotel mm. and so you have front desk housekeeping check in check out uh, is is zen room staff uh, at at hotels and so mm-hmm. we so w- we start off with asset light and now we get into a bit more operations and so we're coming the other way we build right, a yeah. brand and then we we start to operate the hotels as well so you're actually parachuting in your experience into these organizations as well so that they can sort of you know you've got your guys in there running the place effectively from the bottom up yeah and and so we have so many different models where and depends a lot on the on what the uh, what the hotel owner is looking at sometimes yeah. the hotel owner wants to run their own hotel uh and they have been staying uh, working at the hotel for all their life mm. they're very close to uh, to many of the customers and so and they're only looking at expertise in branding and marketing technology mm. and revenue management so we offer that in some cases the hotels are not uh, looking uh, the owners are looking for uh, not running the business anymore they want a professional company to mm. come and help them uh and they're looking more as a financial yield kind of an investment uh and that's where we come and operate the hotel as well mm. in philippines for example and and now in malaysia and thailand uh, we run what we call zen homes where we are working with uh, with uh, like a service apartment so professional service apartment on the best uh, condominiums in these cities uh, we are doing housekeeping check in check out mm. uh and and the experience is as at a price which is unbeatable so it's like a professional airbnb interesting So that that's a growing market as well isn't it there's a lot of airbnb people who now i mean it sort of started as a cottage industry didn't it and now those people at the top who are making money realize i need to understand process and standardization and operations and maybe they're running more than one airbnb and they take over another airbnb and even people are running airbnbs for other people you know so they're taking on their properties aren't they because they can do a better job And now you come along and you can professionalize this for everybody. It sounds a lot like I mean, I've never worked for McKinsey, but I have a lot of contacts and friends who have worked there. It sounds like you're bringing in a lot of what you've learned there here, you know, where they can go into an organization and just help them just get everything in order, processes, operations, understand the strategy and so on. Do you see a lot of parallels with your background there? No that's true and so uh, so the one thing which you learn in McKinsey and McKinsey is an amazing place for for a young person to go and learn problem mm. solving uh, team playing uh, communications and this kind of things uh, this is what you and so for me when i transitioned from McKinsey to food panda and then zen rooms i can see those skill sets being playing out every day whether it is whether it is finding the right uh, schedule for uh, for a delivery rider to mm. uh to to optimize the routes on which they deliver the the food or whether it is uh, pitching to mcdonalds or pitching to a big hotel chain uh, to work with you uh, where your sales skills come in and your uh, and your analytical skills come in 
uh, or whether it is uh, whether it is uh, hiring a team and working closely with them i think the skill sets that you learn in mckinsey mm. uh, have made the transition for me to startups uh, very smooth and and i can see those skills being played out every day i still have now i have to do my slides once in a while when i'm doing the pitch deck mm. uh, it's not a bad thing But yeah, so it is enjoyable to see slides now once yeah. in a while. <laughs> Most of the communication happens on email, and so right, right. And so, so but but a lot of the learnings and and yeah. and uh, from from my old days at McKinsey, where I was for five years, uh, play out even today. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, that people often ask, like, should I, you know, get a job after university, or should I go straight into a startup, and. I think that there's a group of people who have demonstrated that you don't have to, it's not either either it's not a one or the other you can actually go and learn your trade and get trained up and skilled up by a McKinsey a consultancy or even go and work in the financial sector and work out what's broken you know then become a fintech startup with the idea of leaving university and going straight into the working world often you don't understand firstly you know you haven't been bankrolled in your education in a place like McKinsey for example and and secondly you don't understand what's broken you know you haven't spent a number of years out there exploring these different industries and and working out you know these different patterns and things that don't work and then taking that to a startup and making it better so i think you know the people that are watching and thinking you know should i go and start in a startup one of the options is is either you know go and work for a place like a consultancy which will train you or go and work in a sector or go and work for a large growing startup where you can learn you know like the, from somebody else like yourself you know you don't have to go and start your own business you can go and work for that sort of nice happy halfway house where you can have the startup environment and that sort of mentoring and you can have all the sort of you know the, the sort of the, the safety in being in a, a startup that's actually proven itself as a business model no and so you are extremely right 5 years 6 years back it was a it was a your parents would shout at you saying why are you there's a nice job from dbs why do you right. want to join food panda right for example why risk it all we had one person who was uh, who was joining us instead of a goldman sachs offer and and his parents were thinking he's gone crazy uh, and so so this kind of things have happened in the past but now for example if you if you join a company like zenrooms or if you join a company like grab or you join a company like lazada uh it is it is uh, it is in terms of uh, if you look at the risk level it is yeah. almost zero risk uh it is you get to learn so much more uh you build skills in many diverse uh, places and and you don't get siloed i've seen so many people who go into a bank they are not meant or they they don't they don't have an aptitude or they don't really enjoy banking mm. uh, but because they 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 went into banking they get they get they stay there for decades and so mm. uh, and and you never get to explore different things the good part about startup is you you join say in operations you can always go into business intelligence you can go into marketing mm. uh, and so you can discover where what your passion is and where where your strengths lie absolutely uh, very much more than you can do in 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 a corporate the like if you also thinking of mckinsey for example a consultancy or uh, or say even investment banking if you are really passionate about investment banking i think that's again uh, for i've seen young people in mckinsey uh, learn so much in the mm. past 3 years uh, you you have the founder of grab and the founder of gojek uh, are both ex mckinsey consultants right. uh, work very closely with them Uh, but you're generalists, aren't you? They train you as a generalist in McKinsey, even though you might have a vertical speciality. You understand patterns across different industries and different types of companies. Exactly. And so, for for me, I have I have worked in every single imaginable industry 
in five years at McKinsey, I was never specializing. That was mm. they were always coaxing me to specialize after three or four years, saying, "Hey, you stick to one sector." But but for me, the 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 enjoyable part of McKinsey was to to go into a new uh, problem, understand the industry, understand the uh, specifics of that problem, mm. and then work with a team of uh, of people with so many specialities. uh call on experts whenever needed across the globe and then solve the problem with your with your team and mm. so that that part of the uh, problem solving and teamwork and communications of mckinsey is a skill that uh, that will stand anyone very very good in and whatever they Absolutely. do later yeah no it's great training kieran before we we wrap up there's there's a slide that i want to pull out for your pitch deck which really excites me and we've mentioned it already if we sort of jump back to the pitch deck and look at slide 6 now i i think the reason why i want to bring this one up is because i don't think necessarily people outside of asia understand just what we're talking about here in terms of where this is going and i'm particularly talking about this bit here that talks about rising middle classes you've talked about the asian um rising middle classes and just to sort of put this into context in asia I think the numbers have gone from something like uh 700 million in 2009 to 3.5 billion predicted by 2030. So it's a five times growth across Asia. It's massive. It's three, middle class. Middle class, 3.5 billion. So you can imagine that it's two-thirds of the world's middle class living in Asia. So that that's how it is going to be and we're only 10 years away from that right and you're talking about it in the context if we can just flick that back up again sorry but in the context of southeast asia as well 400 million by 2020 which is just around the corner what does this mean what are you seeing what does i mean for somebody from the outside because we have a lot of people who listen and watch from outside asia just trying to understand what's going on i mean everybody kind of knows about china now but there's this southeast asia market as well which they're sort of probably less aware of but what you're putting out there is this data which is basically saying look there's this huge growth in middle class in southeast asia what does that mean what does that mean for the the general picture of course hospitality hotel travel but you know also maybe in general all industries what's going on so so there's a lot of talk and attention asia is always on everyone's map now and so the gone are the days when asia used to be an afterthought mm. now it is leading strategy for most of the uh, and if you don't have if you haven't thought of asia you don't have an asia strategy then you're missing something out bulk of the attention though has gone to china and india and mm. and rightfully so they are huge uh, markets uh, they have uh, they have both in industry and startups uh, they have uh, they have shown tremendous growth uh but but uh, sometimes a bit unfortunately so southeast asia doesn't get as much attention mm. as it deserves uh the region has i think more than 700 people uh, 700 million people uh which is uh, and it is it is diverse set of people and and most of it is the demographic is very similar to what it is in india uh where it is uh, where it is very young population very fast uh, growing middle class mm. uh, and middle class which is for the first time very aspirational middle class and so they want to they want to they have disposable incomes now they want to spend that they'll spend it on travel they will spend it on on hospitality they will spend it on uh, on consumer uh, expenditure they will spend it on on all sorts of goods and services uh, and and that presents a huge opportunity for everyone uh, the other good part about southeast asia for, from an entrepreneurial perspective is is there are so many things missing right now and so mm. so you have payment infrastructure is not yet fully there 
you ha- don't have uh, for example in e-commerce uh, delivery infrastructure leaves a lot to be desired yet uh, and so this can be big challenges in building your business but at the same time are huge opportunities if you're able to crack that code mm. uh, and 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 some companies have shown that uh, there's a lot of uh, v- uh, there's a lot of attention now in payments you have uh, you have so many wallets which are coming up which are trying to gain the the upper hand uh, you have uh, finally you are able to deliver for example in singapore same day or uh, or next day and 6 years back you only deliver in 2 or 3 or 4 days mm. uh, and 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 food panda for example we started off we used to promise one hour delivery uh, which was considered to be and 45 minutes was considered to be amazing and excellent mm. now if you don't get your food in 30 minutes you are you are angry and so right. so so those kind of things are are the infrastructure is coming into place uh, and that is driving my view is southeast asia is two or three years behind india and india saw a big jump uh, in in all sorts of metrics three years back mm. uh, especially related to startups and same is happening in southeast asia now that's interesting exciting and you're from calcutta originally or you from, studied in calcutta i'm from from india in bombay bombay uh, from the other side Yes, from Mumbai, and uh, but I studied in Calcutta. Right, I did right. my MBA in Calcutta, and yeah. then I came to Singapore mm. about eleven years back. Uh, do you think that this? Mo- how, how, when do you think this model could work in India? At what point do you think all those kind of input factors would work for Indian consumers? Because it's, a, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing market. I spent a lot of time there. I've had businesses in India, many good Indian friends. It is always there's something missing sometimes to get these. startups working in india there's always an input factor but as you say things have moved so fast when do you think it would be ripe uh, so so if you talk about travel and hospitality there is there's a lot of action happening in india hmm. uh, india so far every, i think more than 90% of the bookings even today when when you have uh, companies like make my trip which is right. more than a billion dollars in uh, listed company with more than 2 billion market cap uh, and and you have oyo rooms which is very similar uh, model to us uh very successful in india uh and so they are uh they are changing the landscape in terms of getting people online uh but it has not happened uh to the extent uh, it's only still below 10% and so mm. so so i think that is changing now uh the market is ripe for it the the payment infrastructure in india surprisingly is 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 extremely good mm. uh, i think it's it's uh, it's almost as good as china has now with wechat and alipay you have uh, the government has done some really good activities in terms of regulations uh, to interconnect all banks payment systems mm. uh, and so a young startup can gain very quick traction and payment is no longer a bottleneck in in most cases and so the infrastructure has fallen into place in the last 3 4 years and you are seeing the dividends being reaped now with uh, with companies being able to scale up much bigger and much faster fascinating kiran tanner everybody co-founder global md of zenrooms kiran there are people listening watching who probably want to reach out maybe the hustlers that you talked about or potential partners long term potential investors as well people who love what you're doing or interested to see if you know zenrooms is the vehicle for them to help grow their business or grow their career what's the best way for them to reach out to you In, in, uh, reaching out to me is very easy so i'm always on uh, linkedin i'm very responsive mm. uh, i find it a great tool to connect to new people uh, i have saved thousands of dollars of recruitment fees by by hiring on linkedin 
uh, and and we are hiring at this point of time zendrooms is hiring at least seven or eight senior positions yeah. and many many uh, mid uh, mid management and and uh, all sorts of positions in all of our countries and so please if everyone anyone is uh, looking to work in a fast paced company uh, innovative company very fast growing exciting people to work with mm. uh, please drop me a line on linkedin or twitter uh, you can follow me on twitter and and i post a lot of uh, activities there yeah i'm for those people that want to connect with you on linkedin is there a good way of doing it do you want people to send you the cvs and say kiran let's take a look at this or do you want is is there a better way of doing that a better success rate so first finding me is very easy because i have i'm the only guy in the world called kiran tana okay. and so if you if you search my name you cannot start. go wrong yeah uh, and and just drop me a direct message saying hey kiran i saw you on on atp show yeah. uh wanted to connect with you and and we can take it from there with what you are looking for yeah that's really important isn't it somebody's actually taking time to listen to your story you know it's pre-qualified them as well that they understand what you're about they understand that you're a startup they're not sort of a job seeker they're looking specifically for something like this no and i i think it is also thanks for inviting me to this to this platform i think it is the audience uh, is very uh, very good for us to reach out to mm. as well uh i think there are there are uh, so that's something that that i'm very keen to also connect with some of the audience here excellent that's kiran tana co-founder and global md of zenrooms and well as kiran's already suggested if you want to reach out you know how to do it do it on linkedin that's the best way and you know tell them that you've actually tell kiran and his team that you've actually watched this uh broadcast or you've listened to the podcast that's going to score some points with you straight off the bat i think And then also I mean you know if you're interested I think the 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 best thing is to just follow the story get on Twitter if you find Kieran on Twitter as well just follow him there and um you know make yourself known you know this is the world of the startup so not everything is defined by tight roles sometimes you have to be a bit speculative and just pitch just get out there and try your luck right Kieran thank you so much for joining us today I really enjoyed listening to your story thanks Graham for a lovely conversation yeah and love what you're doing as well and your your attitude towards it and the way you're building this has been fantastic so all the best wish you all the best and you know we would love it if you came back on 6 12 months down the line and give us an update because this is going to be you know interesting in terms of how that sort of journey unfolds no i'm uh, thanks for inviting and i'm happy to to uh, to meet up with you again excellent thanks a lot everybody that's kiran tana and um kiran's just going to do us a favor because what um off camera just how this works is that we have because this studio is new it's about two or three months no two months old so we really are a startup we want you to sign our studio so we'll be honored if you can sign our wall we've got a, we've got the glass wall on the outside so everybody that's been here we've asked them to sign so we're we're building up a bit of a, a wall of fame a hall of fame on the uh, the outside there so if you would do the honors would be most uh, oh, very happy to sounds like a nice tradition you really yeah well exactly then you know what happens is is when you're all famous we'll sell that part of the wall <laughs> <laughs> that'll be worth millions so if you could do the honors journey if you can show right. Kieran the way uh, before you go can you take a, a quick photo yeah. yeah we take it what like a talking photo like this yeah. or you want one up on the wall just, uh, just oh you can take a photo like that okay cool Do you want me to do that? There you go. Are you right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. You might want another one. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Awesome. All right, good. Thank you. All right, excellent. So, if you can help Kieran do the wall, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool.
So, all right, man. Kieran, thank, thank you so much. So much. Great, great, great having you on the show. Lovely meeting you, man. Nice A real privilege. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on. So, love to come back. yeah, we can support you in any way. It'd be fantastic. Thank you. I, I heard about the recruitment uh, feature you were building. Yeah. It would be great to help out. Yeah, that would be awesome.